0: Digabit, a a podcast for women who want to dig into the meat of God's Word for a bit. We are glad you have taken a few minutes out of your day to listen. Our host is Cindy Colley from thecolleyhouse.org. Now grab your Bible and let's dig in. Good morning, good afternoon, whenever it is that you're listening. I hope that you're having a great month. Wow, it's getting close to Thanksgiving time. I hope that you are getting together with somebody who is... um, making a turkey for you. I hope that um, it might be somebody in your family, but maybe you are just getting together with some folks in your church family. But I hope that you are going to have a great time. And remember that although we don't celebrate any holiday as a religious observance, really, I love the fact that this holiday centers on prayer, makes us think about the providential power that there is in our words to the Father, and especially that it makes us have great gratitude. It reminds us of the great mercy that He shows us, not just in the physical autumn harvest, but in the harvest of our souls. Lord of harvest, send forth reapers. All right, so we are going to talk today from, um, well, several books of the early Old Testament had a question come in this week about Exodus 30, and you'll remember that Exodus 30 is where the recipe for, a couple of recipes are given there, but the recipe for the anointing oil for the priest is given in Exodus 30, and we read there beginning about in verse 28, "'Take to you principal spices.'" Of pure myrrh, 500 shekels, of sweet cinnamon, half as much, even 250 shekels, and of sweet calamus, 250 shekels, and of cassia, 500 shekels, after the shekel of the sanctuary, and of olive oil and hen. And you shall make it an oil of holy ointment, an ointment compound, after the art of the apothecary or the perfumer. It will be a holy anointing oil. And they're going to anoint them, verse 26, the tabernacle, the ark of the covenant, the table, the vessels, the candlestick, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering, the laver, the foot. And you shall sanctify them, verse 29, that they may be most holy. Whatever touches them shall be holy. Holy. And you shall anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them that they may minister to me in the priest's office. And you shall speak unto the children of Israel, saying, This shall be a holy anointing oil to me throughout your generations. On man's flesh shall it not be poured, neither shall you make any other like it. After the composition of it, it is holy, and it shall be holy to you. And whosoever compounds any like it, or whoever puts any of it, on a stranger shall even be cut off from his people that's very stern warning for people who would in the old testament times compound make for themselves this fragrant anointing oil that was to be used in the holy place and upon the holy priesthood so the question was Cindy don't you think that it's probably not a good idea for us to put together these ingredients today to make this compound, this substance that was to be holy, that was to be sanctified, and that was to make the priesthood and the instruments of the tabernacle sanctified, since it says that whoever compounds these things will be cut off from his people. Well, That's a good question, and I'm really glad that someone asked that. Another person commented in the group Do we believe in holy anointing oil? Well, we do believe in holy anointing oil, that it was a thing back in the book of Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers in the early times of the Jewish nation. Of course, it was a command of God, and it was a very serious command. It called the eyes and hearts of the people to the holiness of God, to revere him, to fear him, and certainly anybody who messed with these ingredients and tried to make this compound at home to make their home smell like the tabernacle would have been cut off from his people. I believe that means death there, as it does in many cases in the Bible. So, are we messing with something dangerous when we have, as our practically speaking, to put together these compounds, to this, this compound, these elements, to see what the priesthood smelled like as it is suggested in our practically speaking? Well, at face value, maybe that sounds like a dangerous thing to do, but I don't believe that it is, and it is for these reasons. We have the words cut off in this same sense, in many places in the Old Testament, we have it in Exodus 17, verse 14, gonna turn there real quickly and read that passage, Genesis 17, verse 14. So let me fix that in my little notebook, Genesis 17, verse 14, and that passage says, The uncircumcised man-child, whose flesh of his foreskin is not circumcised, that soul shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. Certainly, circumcision was a mark of sanctification. People did it because they revered God. People did it because they wanted to be a part of the holy nation. And our circumcision today is the circumcision of the heart. Baptism is also um represented as um, a sign of, of spiritual heart circumcision in the New Testament. But here it says, if these people were not circumcised, they would be cut off. Does that apply to us today? Obviously, it doesn't. It is clearly taught in the book of Galatians, Hebrews, that the fleshly circumcision avails nothing And that it was wrong of Jews to try to require Gentiles to be circumcised in the New Testament. So then let's turn to Exodus chapter 12, verse 15, and find the words cut off again. Exodus 12, verse 15. Seven days you will eat unleavened bread. Talking about the Passover here. Even the first day you will put leaven out of your houses for whoever eats leavened bread from the first day till the seventh day. That soul shall be cut off from Israel. Again, leaven being um, a significant representation of evil, and it was to be cleaned out of their houses at Passover time. Does that apply to us today? I mean, we can pretty much figure out what time of year Passover time was. We're supposed to count count those days and get that leaven out of our houses. And if we don't, it's a really serious thing, and we're going to be held accountable. Obviously, not. That's not for us. Even though it's a serious warning, it's not a serious warning for us today. We are supposed to get the leaven of sin out of our lives. First Corinthians five. Look at Exodus thirty, verse thirty-eight. It says there. Um, We're talking about the perfume, not the anointing oil. But this is a recipe again for a perfume. And um, it was an apothecary art that they were doing. And some of it was to be, be beaten very small and put on the testimony of the tabernacle of the congregation where God was going to meet with the people. Verse 37, And as for the perfume which you shall make... You shall not make to yourselves according to the composition thereof, it shall be unto you holy for the Lord. Whoever shall make like unto that to smell thereto shall even be cut off from his people. Well, that doesn't apply to us today because our worship today in spirit and in truth is the sweet smelling savor. And we are not to mess with the recipe that God has given us for that savor, but this perfume. Obviously, it's not for us today because we don't have the testimony of the tabernacle of the congregation as they did then. And then we read, this is an interesting one, in um, Exodus 31, verse 14, it says, You shall keep the Sabbath, for it's holy to you. Everyone who defiles it shall surely be put to death. For whoever does any work in the Sabbath, that soul shall be cut off off from among his people. Read it. verse 15. Six days may work be done, but in the se- seventh is the Sabbath of rest, holy to the Lord. And whoever does any work in the Sabbath day, he shall surely, listen to this, be put to death. Why? Well, verse 17 goes ahead and tells us, Because it's a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and he was refreshed. This was a very significant, holy sign to God. But the Sabbath day is no longer a holy day. And those. Those prohibitions that went with the Sabbath day are not for us, even though it was very serious for them. And we read about people who violated it and were put to death. So those are some examples of the words, you shall be cut off if you do this, that are in no way applicable to us today. And I believe that is the case. I know that is the case with the making of the anointing oil because it has no significance for us today. We are we are following an anointed high priest, but he was anointed in a very different way than these priests were in the Old Testament. Leviticus 7:20 The soul that eats the peace offering in uncleanness will be cut off. Leviticus 17 Leviticus 7 verse 25 Whoever eats the fat of a sacrificed animal shall be cut off. Leviticus 17.34 Whoever kills an ox or a lamb and doesn't bring it for sacrifice will be cut off. Wow. We're going to kill a lamb and use it for meat today without stopping to sacrifice? Obviously, that is not going to elicit the wrath of God today. Leviticus seven. Numbers nine verse thirteen: If a man doesn't keep the Passover and he's not sick or on a journey, etc., he'll be cut off from his people. Obviously, the Pass Christ is our Passover. Every one of these Old Testament holy things has um, its representation in the New Testament. Numbers nineteen thirteen: Whoever touches a dead man and doesn't purify himself. And, that's, and in Numbers 19, there's a bunch of prohibitions that are all about the death of the people and their consequence. But obviously, I, I was with my father when he died, and I touched that corpse. But I didn't have to go through all those rites and rituals that were commanded in Numbers 19 verse 13 and following. There's a bunch of verses there following that. So I just think it's important. It was a great question and something that, you know, at first when we read that verse, it sounds pretty serious. And it is serious if it was for us. But that passage and many others that talk about the cutting off of the people in the Old Testament have their significance to those people. And then they are generally... Uh, represented, um, well, for instance, whoever touches the dead man. In the New Testament, the dead people are those who are dead in sin. And we are to refrain from getting the stains of sin on our souls. Whoever pure religion and undefiled before God the Father is keeping ourselves unspotted from the world. So, um And whoever is dead to sin doesn't walk any longer therein. Almost all of these prohibitions that were so physical and that were rites of worship and service in the Old Testament have a spiritual significance and an allegorical representation in the New Testament. But as far as being punished because we compound those ingredients today, that's not for us as so many of these, keeping the Sabbath, not touching a dead person without becoming cleansed, not killing a lamb, um, not eating leaven during the Passover time, circumcision, all of those things required the cutting off of people who broke those commands. But that is not required today, and it's made so clear to us, in the New Testament epistles that we are no longer to require those stringent um, prohibitions. We are no longer to require those prohibitions of New Testament Christians. I hope that this has been helpful. I hope it's been interesting to you, and I hope you have a great day.